welcome to the Rethinking Logistics podcast. My name is Christopher Wall, and I'm the founder of Zeus Logics, a digital customs brokerage. With us today is Lars Jensen of Sea Intelligence and my co-founder, Roger Crook. Today, we're going to discuss what can really be expected from digitalization in the global supply chain. Lars, would you be able to give a quick introduction of yourself, your, your personal background, your professional background? Sure. I've been in the industry for 20 years, came out of academia where I actually studied theoretical physics, but decided that change to the real world might be interesting. Of those 20 years, I spent the first 10 working for Musk, most of, most of the time as chief analyst, part of the time in charge of the commercial side of the digital portfolio. Left them in 2010 and have been an independent consultant, analyst and advisor to all the stakeholders in the maritime chain ever since. Very nice. Roger, maybe you could introduce yourself also. Yes. Hello, everybody. I'm Roger Crook. I've been in the industry 30 plus years, an engineer originally, and I joined the logistics industry 30 years ago and spent a large portion of my career with DHL, now owned by Deutsche Post. I've worked in uh, strategic, commercial, and general management roles the last 20 years I've been running businesses at a country level, regional level, or global level around the world. A lot of that with DHL. So I've worked and lived in in Asia twice, in Europe, in a number of countries, in uh, the US, managed businesses across those regions of the the Americas, uh, Europe. Asia and and global. The last role I had on a corporate level was global CEO of DHL, Global Forwarding and Road Freight, the largest freight forwarder and road freight operator in the world. Since leaving the corporate world, I've started a business in uh, advising and investing in startups. So I'm in advising and investing in logistics tech startups around the world. I have quite a number in my portfolio, and uh, actually they're all doing very well, even during COVID. Some of them are doing exceptionally well. So I'm very happy with my uh, portfolio, and I'm also doing some work helping private equity in uh, acquisitions of, of logistics companies around the world. I'm based currently in Singapore, but I've invested throughout the world. So very nice to be here. Very nice. Thanks, Roger. So the theme that we have been uh, been looking into really relate to what is going to be bringing about change. We often hear discussion of a digitalization wave in logistics, an industry that has been rather resistant to changes that we've seen in, for example, in the consumer world and even in in other large business environments. What are the challenges that you think the industry is facing specifically due to COVID? And and this is a big question. So I'll just let you take it in the directions where where you you see something interesting and uh, noteworthy. Let me take a first shot at that one. There are a number of challenges. Let me start on the positive side. What COVID has shown is that the industry was better than what it was rumored to be in terms of the digital portfolio. Because once most of the world shut down, especially late March, start April, most shipping lines sent home the majority of their staff overnight. Yet the global supply chain didn't stop. It actually worked pretty well. To me, that's a signal that we were potentially further along on the digitalization than the industry was given credit for. However, not all flowed smoothly. It has also served to really expose the gaps that we have in the information chain where we still rely on physical documents because they become key bottlenecks when the world showed down. 
So that's a positive, that's a negative side. Uh, the negative side, I would again just turn to a positive one because it it accelerates when you see where these manual stop gaps are. You have, just as a practical example, the Indian government suddenly fast-tracking the ability to allow electronic documentation for customs purposes, something that otherwise seemed to move absolutely nowhere. So, so good things are definitely coming out of COVID on that front. I think from uh, from my side, yeah, I, I agree with Lars that there's there's positives and, and, and challenges. Uh, the positives are we've seen significant boom in the e-commerce. Most people being stuck at home, one point or another, in terms of lockdowns, are receiving deliveries at home, and that is uh, really boomed. And we've seen seen e-commerce around the world grow significantly. So last mile delivery has has really proven that it does work and has really saved a lot of people from some challenging situations when they've been locked up at home because of COVID. On the other hand, I think there is significant and actually growing disruption in global supply chains today in many modes of shipping and transportation. There's large disruption in ocean freight shipping globally and for air freight. Very different impacts. Ocean freight is generally one of lack of containers where containers are in the wrong place around the world because goods are shipped from Asia to China and containers are stuck in Europe or the US where there aren't return shipments coming back in such volume because consumers not buying so much and obviously exports not so high out of EU and the US as normal. So that's one impact. The other impact is obviously air freight. Air freight has seen a significant decrease in capacity because of commercial belly space. Typically, it provides about 65% of air freight capacity for moving cargo around the world. And with the shutdown of travel, commercial passenger flights being reduced up to 70% or more, that's presented capacity constraints for shippers and logistics operators. It's increased the cost of air freight and that lack of capacity has somewhat been taken up by ocean freight or by mode shift to express, so the more expensive express. So some constraints have been overcome, which has shown the agility of the industry. But on the other hand, there is, you know, delays and price increases in air freight that are impacting shippers and cargo movements around the world. So there are challenges, but there are opportunities and there are positives, as Lars says as well. There is the idea that if the industry had been more digital before, that supply chains could have moved more smoothly. But it sounds like a lot of these constraints to the, the current problems in global supply chain and logistics are physical constraints, physical and I guess uh, situational due to a lack of passenger travel on aircraft, for example. If there had been a full adoption of the most advanced digital technologies available 10 years ago, how do you think that might have affected uh, what we're seeing now with COVID? The way I see it is, if you use the premise say all of the digitalization had been done prior to COVID, I would say to a very large degree, we would still have exactly the same problems here. I'm looking from the container shipping perspective. Because the core of the problem here is if we make it very, very simple, first people stop buying stuff because we are hit by the pandemic. That plunges demand. Shipping lines have no choice but to cancel sailings. 
Then overnight, people decide, since I'm sitting at home twiddling my thumbs, I'm just going to buy a lot of stuff online, which then generates this enormous boom we have in cargo. That creates a huge discrepancy between where is the physical capacity and where is it actually needed, especially empty containers, but also vessels subsequently, port congestion, so on and so forth. From a global perspective, we're shipping as many containers in 2020 as we did in 2019. But the difference being, there was 5 million containers we did not ship in second quarter. Instead, we're trying to cram those 5 million containers through the pipeline at the end of the year on top of the normal flow. That's just not enough physical capacity. If we had perfect foresight, if we had fantastic digital tools, what you would then have been able to do is you could technically have sat down, especially if you look at this from a US perspective, you could have sat down already, say, in September or so and said, there's not going to be enough space in the supply chain, which would have led you to the conclusion you would have to tell the importers, we are not even going to contemplate picking up your cargo at the factory in China, because if we do, then two and a half months from now, it's going to be sitting on a ship off the California coastline, unable to move through the terminal. But realistically, nobody would have heeded that advice, no matter how good it was, because you would look at it this way and say, I got supermarkets I need to fill. The order can be produced in China. There is an empty container. There is space available. Put it on the ship, get it sent. So the constipation we have right now in the supply chain is to a large degree physical for trying to cram too much through. And I don't think any amount of digital could have prevented that. You could have ameliorated some of the effects. You might have reduced the problem somewhat. You would have created more visibility that this is what we are facing, but it wouldn't have solved the problem. Interesting. There's a certain idea of trying to cram all that additional capacity in through. It doesn't seem like that's something that can easily be resolved except over time. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, the current logjam would not have occurred if it wasn't for COVID. And the unbalanced demand around the world is really due to lockdowns, in particular in the Europe, in Europe and the US, because obviously we've seen the Chinese economy bounce back much quicker than the EU and the US. And therefore, the constraints today are really due to lack of containers and lack of demand. That would have happened whether we had digital technology or not, in my opinion, because it's more the physical side. Yes, if you had better technology, you might have been able to locate every container faster and move them faster back on uh, returns back to Asia. But I don't think it would have made a, a big difference to the current situation. I think a lot of digital development has gone on in the last five years in the industry. And I think you've seen the benefit of that during COVID. And yeah, there's more digital development that can be done. I think it's proven that there is quite a lot of positive in the logistics industry. And yeah, I mean, you can see that in, in, the, in the big logistics companies and the way they're performing today in this situation is outstanding, really. I mean, it's, they're keeping the world operating and there hasn't been lack of food or lack of items on the shelves available to people. I mean, some companies today are still creating all-time highs in 
their uh, growth of, of revenue. I mean, I saw Apple results coming out this week and they've just topped 100 billion in revenue and that's a new all-time high. So that you've got product moving around the world and being sold still quite efficiently. Companies are still able to operate even in a world where a large proportion of the population in Europe and the US is locked up. So, yeah, I think the logistics industry has proven that it's it's doing well, but I think there's still a lot of opportunity. One of the benefits of COVID is that it has forced a lot of people to reevaluate how they work and reevaluate what tools are needed to work in the contemporary world. People weren't able to go into their offices, so they had to learn how to work remotely from home. Document management had to be more effective, and people had to find new ways of collaborating. What kind of adoptions or increased speed of adoption and technology adoption are you seeing in the logistics industry that you think would not have occurred without COVID or would not have occurred as quickly? To take a very, very tangible example, I would look at the uptake of pure online sales of spot cargo, for example, with at least the ones that's easiest to put numbers to, or for example, tools such as the Hopak Lloyd Quick Quotes or the Musk, uh, Musk spot products where you had a 0% penetration rate two years ago on these tools from a container line perspective, where when Hapag Lloyd launched theirs, they had a plan that by 2023, they wanted 15% of their cargo to be sold online that way. That 15% target, that was the run rate they now had in November of 2020, three years ahead of target. Most when they came out after their Q3 announcement, they were at a run rate where more than 50% of their spot cargo was suddenly sold online that way. I think that is a hockey stick development that would not have happened with the same speed if it hadn't been for COVID. Indeed, yeah. I think the other side for me is, I mean, yes, definitely, I think that digital technology adoption is accelerating in the wake of COVID. I mean, if we look at e-commerce growth, retail shopping online exploding around the world faster than it already was before. This is creating more and more pressure on companies adopting e-commerce. Many, many retail companies have either moved to, have accelerated their online shopping capability or accelerated their home delivery of food. And also many companies have had to sort of implement return software or return shipping capability because lots of people have been sitting at home having less to do and shopping online, buying clothes or buying products and then realizing they don't fit, they don't like the color, then they've got to send them back and they need the return shipping. And logistics companies have been inundated with returns and therefore retail or brick and mortar companies that have turned to online during this time because shops have had to be closed. I mean, this is dramatic in the way it's happened. And therefore, I think retail has really taken a big shift onto online in many areas. And I think you're going to see this continue. But also, you know, working from home has also driven a lot of people online to do use video for work. And I think logistics companies and shippers have found that adopting digital has helped them to uh, their business to survive. They found solutions between logistics companies and shippers to get around the problems of, that they had before. So I think that people are adapting and they change faster when they're forced to change. And I think COVID 
has forced change for a lot of people, some good and some not so good. But I think from a logistics point of view and a digital point of view, I think it's good. There's been recent interest in booking platforms for Ocean, as Lars mentioned, but also in air freight world. Cargo One, based out of Berlin, who's raised a total of 63 million to date, just announced a new 43 million round. And they're in the business of allowing people to book cargo with the simplicity that you would have booking passenger air transportation. Are there any domains where you're seeing particularly strong uptake and domains where you're seeing a lag in technology adoptions and the types of technologies? Well, you, you can say from my perspective, in terms of domains, keep the way I see this one is you do have the platforms come on, but I see that as part of a, let's call it a slightly larger battle. What I see going on on the container front is there is a battle for, let's call it control of a large segment of the market. The segment of the market where you're servicing relatively small shippers with relatively simple needs. Because if you want to move a lot of this online, the starting point has got to be shippers with not too complex logistics needs. They are right now principally, let's again call it controlled, by freight forwarders around the world. And this is where the battle is on because not only do these forwarders need to step up their digital game, they need to do that because you have the carriers that are now entering the fray to try to regain direct control. And you have the emergence of platforms, you have the emergence of other digital providers that want to get into this. You even in some cases have a port or terminal companies come in to have to want to have a slice of that the logistics part as well. So I see the emergence of some of these digital platforms on container shipping as part of this larger battle for control over a sub-segment of the market, but it's relatively large. It's hard to put an accurate number on, but I don't think you're going to be far off if you say it's about a quarter of the global market, but it's an enormous amount of small shippers. And it's small shippers, which also means they're usually not the ones who pay the lowest freight rates. So it's an attractive segment. One must assume that from a carrier's perspective, one of the benefits of having a freight forwarder is that they could interface with small customers, take care of the customer service needs, deal with any education that needed to occur, and make sure that the customers were able to benefit from the services of the carriers without having the carriers need to dedicate customer service staff to somebody who's maybe moving 50 containers a year. That's exactly why we are at the point we are today, because this was a move that to a large degree happened uh, around 20 years or so ago, where most of the carriers started looking at what is the cost to serve a client. And many arrived at the conclusion, the cost to serve a very small shipper that might send a container once every 14 months, the cost to serve that guy was extremely high because you needed a lot of handholding. It was simpler to just redirect him over to a forwarder and just deal with a large forwarder seen from the carrier perspective. But this is where the digital tools are coming in, where increasingly you are beginning to see the launch of tools that enables you to efficiently serve that small shipper without the need for handholding. Again, as long as we're talking about the ones that have relatively simple needs. Yeah, I mean, Christopher, from my perspective, progress is strong and faster in some segments of logistics and transport than others. So, I mean, I'll give you a few examples. If we look at trucking, trucking, there's quite a few marketplaces around the world which have been operating as digital marketplaces for sort of truck broking for the last five, six years or more. And there's some relatively big ones now. I mean, if we If we look at Sender in Europe, they're operating across the EU. They just 
did a Series D, I think, and it was like 160 million on a billion valuation. They've been operating about three or four years and they're doing full truckload and, and part truckload or, or LTL, but doing really well and they acquired Uber Freight. Whereas my experience in ocean freight, you've got platforms like Bico in France, which is a booking visibility container platform that's really uh, has direct connection with majority of the carriers. And where they're large multinationals, where the large multinational has a logistics operation and they're disrupting the freight forwarder. So, so Bico is targeting um, large multinationals, both currently in Europe and in the US, and they've signed agreements with large multinationals for managing two, three hundred thousand TEUs per year. And They've been around about four years and they're doing booking and online visibility and managing basically the, the movement uh, of containers for the multinational. But it's together with the logistics organization of that multinational. Trucking in and ocean freight to me are further ahead than, say, air freight from a marketplace point of view. So Cargo One, as you was one of the early successes, I think, that's, and doing well, obviously, uh, so far. But they're not as far. Well, air freight marketplaces are not as far ahead, as, in my opinion, as ocean freight or trucking. And last mile delivery is, there's a lot of digital last mile delivery capability. But what I see now is crowdsourcing last mile delivery starting to grow and take off. So there are players like Stork Express also in Europe that are starting to grow and get backing. Visibility, tracking, booking, organizing platforms are becoming much more the norm. I think the other area is dynamic shipment management, AI, machine learning, predictive analytics is starting to develop, but it's further behind. This is starting to be used by logistics companies and shippers. And then I see customs clearance really starting to emerge as well. And there are opportunities in customs clearance. And obviously, there's you know growth opportunities for platforms like Zeus in, in the world. It's different by segment. Some segments much further ahead than others. That's a good point. Thanks for tuning in to the Rethinking Logistics podcast. We'll be back with Lars and Roger next week to continue this discussion.